this is Mike Dilt with the Relax Back UK show on UK Health Radio, your global real feel-good radio station. On the Relax Back UK show we explore all kinds of health topics, so keep listening and enjoy the ride. Thank you for joining me on the Relax Back UK show. This week, we look at a couple of ways of strengthening mental health, which for many did get a knock during COVID, and they may still be feeling the effects of that. Paula Radcliffe, the long distance runner, feels that taking part in large, organised sporting events can really help. The camaraderie and the uniqueness of big sporting events cannot be beaten, and I'm convinced that it can heal a lot. It can obviously make you fitter on the physical side, but mental health-wise, I think it can make you so much stronger. Then Mind Labs is an online an online live mental health platform. One of the amazing benefits of live classes is that you get to see community. And you know what we found, especially in the pandemic, were people that felt very much alone. They felt alone in the problems that they had. They didn't feel like anyone else had the same problems that they did. And obviously, you know, people share problems. And when you can see that there are other people tuning into the same class as you, you get that amazing sense of community. I chat with Adnan Ibrahim, CEO and co-founder, and Anne-Sophie Fleury, Head of Mindfulness at MindLabs. So please do stay tuned for a great show. Thank you. This show is cool. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. It used to be hard to find the world's most wonderful alcohol-free drinks. Not anymore. Whether it's a health thing, a lifestyle thing, or you're trying new things. Make sure you save yourself from the guessing game of the supermarket shelves and shop with zerozilchzip.co.uk for the world's most carefully curated range of alcohol-free beers, wines, spirits and more. Health Radio listeners can save 5% with the code HEALTH5. Visit zerozilchzip.co.uk or click our banner on the UK Health Radio website. Discover alcohol freedom with zero zilch zip. Because nothing's better. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. My first guest today is Paula Radcliffe. I started off by thanking her for returning to the Relax Back UK show because she's been on a couple of times before. And then I had to sort out some technical shortfallings on uh, on my part. But uh, bear with me and uh, do keep listening. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, oh, hang on. Do you know what? I'm not sure I've turned my microphone on. Yeah, there you go. Always good to turn the mic on, I think, when you're, <laughs> when, when you're interviewing people. It, it kind of helps. Um so the uh, the topic, which hopefully you can hear me a bit better now, is uh, it's kind of a, um, a sting in the tail from COVID somewhat. Uh, yeah. Not not long COVID, which is actually a really bad sting in the tail for lots of people, but it's a, a feeling of isolation of the after effects of uh, lockdown. So I'm I'm kind of intrigued. Is this, in your experience, uh, a, a real thing that you've come across? Absolutely. And we're calling it isolation overhang. Um, And it's basically, I think, the fact that people had to be isolated and had to learn to to live with and to to deal with isolation during the pandemic. And then because COVID obviously was so very real and had such a big impact on everybody, um, that has created a fear factor um, in terms of of getting back out there and interacting with people again. Um, And some people found that they were quite happy on their own and exercising on their own. um, And that's great. But a lot of people really miss the mixing with other people and the social connectivity uh, of big events, be they sporting or otherwise. Um, I've got to say, so from from where I am, and and this is just my sort of own observation, People feel really keen to kind of get out there and get on with life again. Now, whether yeah. that's a sensible thing to do or not, we'll, we'll park that on one side. That's a whole other conversation. But kind of in in my circle, my sphere of influence, I, I suppose, 
people are desperate to get out there and get on living. It's not something I recognise. Where, where, where's this? Uh, where's the data coming from for this? Um, so the data is research that we carried out at the Global Sporting Events platform, Let's Do This, um, right. which found that nearly three quarters say COVID has turned them into an indoor person and nine out of 10 people really miss socialising and interacting with other people at big sporting events. Um, and we've seen this across the board with, with entry numbers coming in. They're noticeably down for all sporting events. Um, and I think it is, you're right, there is a, a huge proportion of the population that also sees the opportunity to get out there again the minute that they could because they've missed it so much. Um, but I think we also have to recognise that there is an also equally big element of the population that really feel like they would like to get back out there and they miss that connectivity, but they're afraid to. Um, they're afraid to go and mix with lots of other people because for so long we were told that that's where the virus is circulating. And that's true, the virus does circulate there. Um, but at this stage now, uh, I think it's something that we, we're kind of having to learn to live with. And some people oh. are finding that easier than other people. Um, and this is now about encouraging those people that are afraid to, number one, recognise that it is a fear uh, and not mock it, um, but to understand it and to help them take those first steps back into big events. Because I guarantee once you take part in a big, mass event again, something like the Great North Run, the London Marathon, or even your local park run, once you do that, uh, yeah, you feel right. benefits. You'll keep doing it. Yeah. So, so, but presu presumably, this covers all things. You know, all not not just sporting events, but well, we just had Glastonbury. Lots of people went to Glastonbury, um, but I guess there were some people that would have liked to go on, but, but didn't feel up to it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is across the board. I mean, the research that we've done has been on the on the sporting platform, sporting event side. But of course, it's logical. It works across the board um, yeah. and it's equal has an effect on children as well. We've seen the children really suffer from that isolation of homeschooling um, at a time in their lives when social interaction is so important in teaching yeah. them skills for future life. I suppose what's important. What we should kind of think about is what people um, are worried about and what we mean by isolation here. There's a big difference between kind of missing your friends one afternoon because you don't get to the, see them and something a bit more serious where you really do feel isolated and lonely. Exactly. And that is, I mean, it, it really starts to affect your mental health when you feel isolated and lonely. And we, as much as we can say, oh, get out for a walk in the sunshine, go out and exercise, they will help you feel better. If it's the social interaction that you're missing, you won't get the big impact of that. And if at the back of your mind, you've got these nagging doubts and nagging worries about mixing with other people, then that is also something that you need to recognize um, and me talk about as well. So talking about the fact that this, having this research there from Let's Do This and talking about it and talking about concrete ways that you can step by step work back towards it so it's not just throwing someone in at the deep end at a mass event it's sure. signing up for the event is the first step um with a group of friends and then meeting up with the friends or the running club or yeah, the what, cycling what, what, club yeah I'm, I'm keen to ask you uh, shortly about sort of some of the maybe ways we can fix this but i, I was thinking about this a bit earlier and uh, to some extent maybe covid to one side i my impression is we sort of we've lost the talent of interacting with our, our local neighbourhood. So, you know, for instance, I was doing some shopping and all the checkouts were those auto checkouts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and banks are shutting down. Lots of people do their banking online. You can go through your life without talking to anyone. You know, it's <laughs> it's just the stuff of normal life seems to be sort of getting a bit forgotten. Yeah, it is. And it, it's sad. I mean, in some ways, I guess it makes life easier that we've all learned how to quickly do a bit of online shopping at whatever time we think about the things we need to buy. Um, but at the same time, that social interaction is missing. And, and it's sad. And you're right, we're seeing community shops close down. Um, and we're seeing sporting events struggle uh, and, and go under. Yeah. We're seeing, um, we saw the emotion when people were able to get back. You spoke about Glastonbury. We saw the emotion on people's faces when they were able to, to get back to those events um, because it, it's like anything if you you kind of can learn to live without something if you're forced to and it's not until you're able to enjoy it again that you realize exactly how much you missed it and how much you want to do it again sure. uh, and then that emotion can hit you again so yeah it, this is about kind of 
I guess, recognizing that this is a, it is something that's very real and encouraging people and helping them take those steps to, to getting back to interacting socially with everybody yeah. else. So Paul, Paula, in your past life or even now, is, is this something that you've suffered from? Because I must admit, I did a little, little bit of a Google search before we spoke <laughs> And I, I, I bet you know where this is going. I found a video of you uh, quoting some Iron Maiden lyrics um, about the the loneliness of a, loneliness of a long distance runner. Uh, that something like that is is uh, is this something you've suffered from? Um, I wouldn't say it's something something that I ever suffered from while I was running, um, but I do think that during the pandemic and then um, my daughter was diagnosed with cancer during the pandemic as, as well so we had to extra to carefully isolate um, even more and so I think then coupled with the worry absolutely I missed the the support and interaction now I was very lucky I had a lot of, of support and interaction from close friends and family kind of whatsapp groups and um, Skype calls and, and things like that um, but it's not the same as actually being able to to have a hug and I think when you're going through emotions like that uh, I mean I had to go through losing my dad and my dad's funeral um, and my mum was isolated on her own in the UK and had to do, deal with all of that on her own so I think that impact really hit me not being able to to give her a hug not being able to to be there right goodness me right so you you really have been through this kind of stuff um so the next question really how can we fix it what can we do about it if, if people are feeling this way um it's probably quite relevant what do we do it, it is uh, i think it's, it's get back out there and it's harness those benefits that we bang on and on about about um, mass sporting events and, and sport in general it has a great way of bringing people together and the magic uh, and the camaraderie and the uniqueness of big sporting events cannot be beaten and I'm convinced that it can heal a lot it can obviously make you fitter on the physical side but mental health wise I think it can make you so much stronger so that's why I'm encouraging people to, to go along to let's do this.com to look at the wide range of sporting events from any sport that, that floats your boat and that's the big thing I think you have to pick something that you are intrigued by and inspired by um, and pick an event that might be a little bit outside of your comfort zone but pick it pick it with a couple of friends or join a local club that's building towards similar typed events um, because that will help to motivate you through the training print off the goal put it up somewhere so it reminds you every day what you're working towards and reward yourself on the baby steps to getting there so every time you you go out for a run the first time that you go and join a local park run or a bigger event where there are more people around give yourself a little reward for that whether it's a treat that you've been building up for or or just an, a nice meal whatever you just something to to reward you psychologically for that um okay. and then um support each other through the event as well because that is is what's special you will find friends at that event and you will get the buzz from it so so let's do this is is, is like a a list of large sporting events that you know in your area or, or all over the place really is absolutely it? so you can go in you can look in your area and you can look all around um and you can find something that, that inspires you to take to work towards and then they will help you sign up and so it, it's basically a platform that a lot of events are available on so it gives you that huge choice that spreadsheet to just kind of look at um and then to to pick one and sign up for it the kind of all of the hassle and the details that are taken care of on there and all you've got to worry about is getting ready for the event and then making sure you enjoy it once you're there all right i, I must say i had i had a quick look at the, the website let's do this website and i didn't see many people on it like me I'm 50 and a bit, I'm 56 actually, and a bit fat. Everyone was sort of uh, somewhat younger, somewhat thinner and somewhat more beautiful. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's so just what's on the advice, side. What advice have you got for people like me? Um, I think there's, that sport is for everyone and I think that's the big thing you see I mean just tune in to any of the big sports events uh, and you watch the Great North Run uh, and you see the London Marathon and you see anybody worrying uh, about what size or how old people are um, it, their events are for everyone uh, and you will meet so many kindred spirits there so many people like you at those big events and I think that's what we need to get back to because that was the beauty of big events that you could you could almost get lost in the middle of it but find lots of people who fought on the same wavelength as you who um, wanted to set similar goals as you and, and to work together with them through that and that's the, the key thing in any 
sports group, I think, be it a local club or be it just a group of friends, you're like-minded and you support each other. Um, uh, and people do support each other in the sporting community. I think there's a lot of support out there and a lot of understanding for people who are quite open and say, you know what, I have a mental trauma and a psychological difficulty in getting back into the big events. Can you help me with that? And I guarantee you'll find somebody that will run alongside you at just the right distance or keep a little bit of space around you um, just to be able to, to help you interact back into it. Well, certainly, I've in the past, I've done park run before COVID, actually. And I really did find a really good sort of local community buzz with that. And, yeah. uh, and I'm sure lots of people really love that just because of the community feeling. So not only did they sort of get fitter, which is a good thing. Um, but I'm sure it helped an awful lot of people sort of with their mental health just because this feeling of sort of belonging to something which is sort of bigger than everyone. <laughs> it, did, it does. It definitely does. And it, I think it's a huge way. I mean, whatever level you want to take it to and whatever sport you choose, um, it's very rare that you come back in from having taken part in that activity, not feeling better than before you went out. Um, and if you put that into an event with other people, then that's multiplied. You come away from it feeling great, feeling that you've met other people, that you've enjoyed being a part of that. And it kind of gives you a buzz that, that lasts through the, the days and months to come afterwards. Yeah, no, certainly I, I enjoyed Parkrun. Actually, so has Parkrun got going again uh, since COVID? I'm not sure. Yes, it has. A lot of the sporting events have got going again. And I think that's also part of the problem is maybe people don't realise that those events are back up and going again. Um, and a lot of those events are actually struggling and seeing numbers down. Um, right. People aren't coming back. Maybe they just don't realise that it is, um, that the events are open again. But maybe there is also that fear factor. And that's why we kind of need to, to support and encourage people in taking those steps back because it can be intimidating it's intimidating the first time and then when you've had a long time away it's intimidating to go back to it so if people want to see what is on what's happening and what's restarted uh since covid in their area there's this this website let's do Absolutely. this which you mentioned yeah. Yeah, let's do this.com. Just go along to that, just browse uh, and just look at the, the range of events available close to you and further afield as well. Um, and yeah, just get together, um, pick yourself a target and work towards it. That sounds like great advice. Paula, thank you very much indeed for chatting. Thank you very much. The station that makes you feel good. It used to be hard to find the world's most wonderful alcohol-free drinks. Not anymore. Whether it's a health thing, a lifestyle thing, or you're trying new things. Make sure you save yourself from the guessing game of the supermarket shelves and shop with zerozilchzip.co.uk for the world's most carefully curated range of alcohol-free beers, wines, spirits and more. Health Radio listeners can save 5% with the code HEALTH5. Visit zerozilchzip.co.uk or click our banner on the UK Health Radio website. Discover alcohol freedom with Zero Zilch Zip. Because nothing's better. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. Ibrahim is CEO and co-founder of Mind Labs, and Anne-Sophie Fleury, she's a neuroscientist and head of mindfulness, also at Mind Labs. And Mind Labs is a live mental health platform. So my first question to them is, well, what is that? Um, so a live mental health platform, we um, have classes that are designed to help you sleep better, feel happier, um, and generally be a happier version of you and part of that is the way that we serve the classes so we not only have over 200 on-demand classes on the mind labs platform but we also have live classes as well so we serve these classes live from our studio every day um one of the amazing benefits of live classes is that you get to see community and you know what we found especially in the pandemic were people that felt very much alone. They felt alone in the problems that they had. They didn't feel like anyone else had the same problems that they did. And obviously, you know, people share problems. And when you can see that there are other people tuning into the same class as you, 
you get that amazing sense of community that we really try to encourage within MindLabs. There's also a big kind of live part with when it comes to data as well, and we can talk about that later, but the ability for you to see actual biomarker data thanks to you know wearables. But yeah, we, we, we can get, get into that interesting topic a bit later on. Cool, that, that does sound interesting. We'll definitely park that to one side. So in these live classes, how many people attend? So um, we, we currently... Um, are coming up to our first 10,000 downloads. Um, you know, it can really vary how many people are in these live classes. Some of them are quite small. Some of them are a bit bigger. We don't tend to release kind of numbers on, on concurrent users within those classes as well. But, you know, as I said, they're, they're streamed every day um, from a studio that we have built here in West London uh, with instructors like Anne-Sophie. Um, and they're across a range of different topics from, um boosting your energy in the morning all the way through to winding down okay. at the end of the day as well. So, so if, if you attend one of these classes, do you interact with other attendees? I mean, because if, if, if there's kind of six of you, I can imagine you could do that. But if there's 10,000, then, you know, it's not really possible. How, how does that work? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question. So one of the key points actually around the platform is that it's one to many. So it's not one to one and the instructors can't see um the participants um we actually thought that it was a better way of providing help at scale so like you said it's quite hard to deliver you know personalized support to tens of thousands of users but actually when you have an instructor that's broadcasting out kind of like tv um whilst they may not be able to have you know responses to cues and those are things that we are looking at in terms of like in-class engagement tools and chat and you know being able to respond the, the first version of MyNabs for us is just a way of having classes distributed live to as many different people as possible. So they all get to join in to the same class. There's not necessarily a way for them to, you know, broadcast back to the instructor right now. All right. So, so do you think there's a real bonus to be had uh, with that kind of way of doing it as opposed to a, a, a recorded class? You know, what, what, what is the bonus? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely along the fact that, you know, when you can see at least how many users are in those classes. So, you know, we have these concurrent user counters like you might see on Instagram Live or Facebook Live. The fact that you can see other people in that class with you at the same time definitely gives you that feeling of, you know, community. You're not alone with your problems. Um, you have this support group. Um, and on top of that, you know, the fact that the instructor is live from the studio, it's kind of like having a personal trainer in your gym, someone that's making sure that you're turning up and working out every single day. So it really provides accountability. And we know when it comes to taking care of our minds, one of the biggest hurdles that we have is actually forming a positive habit around taking care of your mind. And we're quite used to doing it now when it comes to our physical fitness. But in general, we still haven't found the right cadences for taking care of our minds. And that's, you know, that's one of our core visions and missions of the company is how do we make taking care of our mind as normal as going to the gym yeah okay oh, so what led you to this then adnan were you were you sort of uh working in a because you were you, you haven't come from this world have you I'm, I'm assuming you kind of found it out of out of need yeah that's right i i spent the last 10 years running a, a media startup called car throttle which we um grew it became one of the kind of largest social communities for car enthusiasts a very different space but fundamentally we dealt with problems that we're now seeing across this whole you know working millennial generation stress burnout um you know financial anxiety poor sleep and i myself went through quite a high you know phase of very stressful work you know it was quite tough running a media company as you know as well you know the last 10 years have seen big shifts in the way that media works and there were multiple times that the company nearly ran out of money and all of that really added to this, I guess, psychological burden. And that was my breaking point. And at that point, I started to seek out mindfulness as a way of helping me understand my mind better. And so after Car Throttle um, uh, got acquired, myself and my co-founder, Gabor, we really wanted to focus on a bigger problem to tackle, which is how do we make people feel happier in an age where we are more connected than ever before, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're facing the next mental health pandemic. Sure. So do, do you feel that this is um, a problem that is experienced by, by younger people or 
also this sort of potential way of solving it might be more applicable to to younger people let's br let's bring out sophie in here she's been very <laughs> quiet uh, yeah, I, I definitely think, I mean, if you look at the stats, younger people are getting younger and younger and experiencing more stress um, where and and things like loneliness. That was the topic for Mental Health Awareness Week this year was loneliness, um, driven partly by changes that we've experienced in the pandemic, being isolated, um, not going into work, being closed off at home alone. Um and typically loneliness is something that we associate with older generations. It's something that we hear about in um, old people homes or um, just aging populations across the globe. But there are so many people that are experiencing mental health um, issues who are very, very young. I think also a driving force is social media and the algorithms that come into play um, in that sense that target younger children um, that expose them to certain things like uh, trends in eating or body image or aspirational content. Um, and it's, it's just, it's very difficult, but at the same time, we're accessing them on these same platforms. So they're exposed to this through their phones and we're here providing an alternative um, something else that they can access where they have access to more positive content uh, to information about how to take care of their mental health. Um, and so yeah. that they educate themselves and make the necessary steps to, to yeah, take care of themselves. I, I, I have kind of a, a fundamental question for you regarding that, because I, I think a lot of this uh, feeling of stress and things being out of control for younger people, but, you know, maybe old people like me as well, it's partly caused by, um, you know, use of screen time, too much screen time, use of the phone and the kind of devices in general. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking, is, is this kind of approach, is it a little bit like saying to someone who's got a drink problem, come on, let's go and have a drink and talk about your issues. You know, it's, it's fundamentally wrong, isn't it? You know, is, is it sort of using what's causing the problem, uh, hoping that it might produce a cure? I'm sure you've got a good answer for that, but it, it does something that is something that worries me sometimes. I think it's a really great question, and it's 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 multifaceted. Um, on one hand, you can't uh, go to someone who is addicted to their phone and who is um, whose phone is causing them stress, or the content that they're exposed to is causing them stress and anxiety, and tell them to get rid of their phone or have a social media ban, or it, it's just in in our society and the way that things are moving forward with technology is just not really a solution um, or not a realistic one for many people. Um, so we do have to meet them where they're at. Uh, we do have to provide alternative forms of content and information, more positive, up uplifting and informative content. Um, somewhere where they already spend a lot of their time. So if they're if they're on their phones or if they're scrolling through social media, a big part of what we do is also um, providing information on our social media platforms. Um, so our Instagram and our Facebook, in addition to having our, our app. And I think there are arguments that um, exposure to screen time is detrimental to you on a physiological level. Um, there have been studies that show that we've we've just increased our screen time so much that it's actually causing changes in the way that we see in our retinal works and things like that. So yeah, for sure, um, there is that part of the equation, but at the same time, when you practice mindfulness and when you when you meditate and when you change, the type of content that you're consuming, you also change the way that you relate to that content. So the more time you spend on a meditation app like Mind Labs meditating, the more you will start to realize certain triggers that you have when you're scrolling social media. You'll be able to recognize, oh, I'm, I'm feeling these heart palpitations. And that to me signals that I'm not in a good place or that I um, that this content is eliciting a certain reaction. And because you're so much more aware of your body and your mind, you can then change your response to what you consume. So I think that it just it just changes the way that 
that you consume media in the long run. So the more, the more you meditate, the less likely you will be to continue following these aspirational social media accounts or scrolling TikTok for hours on end. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I suppose, I suppose you could say that not all face-to-face communication is, is a good thing. You know, you, yeah. you can come away from a, a face-to-face argument and not feel particularly uplifted. Um, so I guess, you know, you, you can say if more and more communication is, is via these, these, these methods, it's just kind of get absorbed into our, our new normal way of life, possibly. Yeah, surely. And, and fundamentally also, um, it changes the way that you relate in face-to-face communication as well, because you are more aware of your body. If you've been meditating, if you've been breathing or practicing mindfulness or using all of these tools that we provide, um, you just change the way that you relate to anything around you. So whether that is on your phone or social media use, or um, maybe not hanging out with people that deplete yeah. you or bring you down. So, certainly, I mean, I don't know if this is a trite point, but using this way of communication, you get more aware of your own face. So like we're t- talking on Zoom right now. If we were <laughs> down the pub, I would not be seeing a picture of my face. Now, I mean, and then that is frankly, that is a bit weird, isn't it? We've got used to it now. Um, but if you're in a pub or a coffee bar or something and there's a mirror, you know, sometimes it's a little bit off-putting. But now uh, on the computer, it's the, it's the normal, isn't it? It is. I still find it distracting. Oh, so do I. Yeah, no, yeah. I, <laughs> I think it's supremely weird. But anyway, that's probably a bit of a um, digression. Let's, let's come back to the mind lab. So just so I understand, you're not providing therapy, are you? That's probably for Adam. What, what what exactly is it you're providing to your customers? Yeah, so we're, we're not providing therapy. And I think it's important to, to state and note that um, we still believe that um, psychiatry and access to psychiatrists and access to psychotherapists is important. Um, and so we support uh, those methods for people that are, are you know, facing more mental health illnesses for us, we're more targeted, you know, top of the funnel, people starting to realize that they're not sleeping too well, or they're facing work related stress. And for those particular people, um, we offer classes led by qualified experts. So, you know, you have Anne-Sophie, who's who's a great example of our, you know, leading instructor, head of mindfulness with her background in neuroscience helps to helps you to understand your your brain and your brain composition and the neuroscience behind mindfulness. And, you know, for a lot of people, myself included, when I started on this journey, I didn't know a lot actually about how my brain actually worked and why my brain was reacting to certain things in certain ways. And the concept of neuroplasticity and how your brain can learn and can adapt and can change as you start to practice and you start to take on and onboard all of these tools as well so on top of that you know we also have um, psychologists we also have breathwork experts um i mean we we're trying to basically have as many different experts for as many different topics as we as we possibly can um and for us that means being as well-rounded as possible in as many different fields so you know we have series um on the platform for boosting your stress uh, boosting your stress, boosting your energy level. You don't want to boost your stress. Um, and, you know, how to sleep better, better sleep hygiene, how to unwind better after a hard day at work. So these are the areas that, you know, we're really focused on as well. And we've got, you know, over 17 instructors now alongside Anne-Sophie, who we work with uh, in MindLabs app. And so can you sort of give us an example of what it might be like, you know, to get involved? So if, if I log on to one of your classes, say something to help me sleep better what do I actually experience uh, oh so <laughs> I will take this one sure. um yeah so so you'll log on to a sleep class sleep classes are um a little bit different uh just because we are conscious of the time of day exposure to blue light so we have a different light setting for that we don't uh, go too much into the psychoeducational aspect because we don't want your brain to be super stimulated before you um, okay. fall asleep. well tell so, us anyway maybe it wasn't the best example <laughs> of, of, of the things you do but tell us about the sleep one anyway yeah so a sleep class you'll you'll log on um the lights will be a little bit subdued in the background we don't want those bright led lights um 
we we have an audio only option so you can put the audio on put your phone to the side and the sleep classes typically will uh, give you a tiny bit of an introduction so that you can get rested get settled get into bed turn off all the lights um and then it will lead you through most likely a progressive muscle relaxation or non-sleep deep rest um and these are really really interesting types of meditation because they have a unique um, state effect. So they will affect you immediately. You will immediately feel relaxed when you're following the instructor's voice and following their lead. Um, you will venture through your body, maybe tensing and releasing certain muscles, just paying attention to certain muscle groups um, going through your body. And as you're doing that, you are not allowing your mind to ruminate because you are trying to be as focused as possible on the task at hand. And so when you're not ruminating, you're not stressing about anything, you're not worrying, you're really present in the moment, aware of how your body feels. And you can, um, you can feel your body get heavier, feel the connection, the weight of your body on the bed. And these are all things that are going to leave you feeling super calm, really relaxed. Um, your brain waves will go into a state that is ready for sleep. Um, and so hopefully by the end of the class, this is also a, a unique feature that we have with our sleep classes is that you don't log out afterwards. The class will just turn off automatically um, because we just hope that yeah, yeah. by then and most likely by then you will be um, you will be falling asleep soundly. Well, pres presumably you can collect data on that. How many people that attend these don't log out and presumably go to sleep? Do you, do you know? Adnam's nodding. Yeah, I mean, quite. Tell, quite, tell uh, us all your secrets. <laughs> I won't be able to give the exact percentages, but quite quite a high percentage of people. Um, and this is a really interesting feature, actually, that we've just released um, because we can now enable integrations with your sleep trackers, like your Apple Watch, or if you have an Aura Ring. What we can actually do is um, tell you in the morning what the efficacy of your sleep actually was. So you can you'll get a push notification in the morning, um, and it will say, "Hey." um mike you slept six hours instead of eight hours therefore your sleep efficiency was slightly down your resting heart rate in your sleep was actually lower uh, than it was over the previous seven days so therefore you know maybe you should try such and such classes this morning to help you feel more energized and you can actually enter your mood in the morning so you can say oh, actually i feel a bit tired this morning and if you do we'll serve you with classes that are um, around boosting your energy, how to get your day off to, to a great start. And I think that's now only been possible thanks to this huge explosion in, in wearable technologies. Right. And that didn't exist five years ago. And now right. actually more and more people are wearing these wearables in bed and we can actually tell them, hey, you did have a good night's sleep or you didn't have a good night's sleep. So why don't you log into a sleep class tonight or take a, take a class this morning and you can now really start to help someone over a longer period of time, genuinely sleep better, which is really exciting. Yeah, no, that, that's that's interesting. And in fact, let, I'd like to explore that a little more with you because earlier when we were talking, you mentioned biomarkers. But before we do that, let me just add something. And this, this might sound a bit negative. It's really not meant to. I, I had one of these things that you could wear and uh, it, it would, you know, analyze your sleep. You know, and I'd wake up in the morning, you know, my wife would be there, you know, morning, darling, how are you doing? Did you sleep all right? And then I'd say, I don't know. Hang on a moment. Let me just have a look. But and that felt fundamentally not quite right. <laughs> but I, I, I think I've, I've come to learn, actually, there's quite a difference between being asleep all night and actually having a good night's sleep because there's different states of states of sleep. So, yeah, tell us a bit more about what you've been doing with biomarkers. Well, you've you've mentioned sleep, but other things that you get up to, and you can can you relate that to other uh, parts of our lives and suggest potential classes because of that? Go ahead. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know, going off of the point that you just made, I think five years ago when these wearables were just starting to gain traction, it was quite strange to have you know this ring on your finger telling you hey actually you had five disturbances in the night that were over five minutes or you know it, your latency the time it took for you to fall asleep was over 10 minutes or over 20 minutes and therefore you, you know you're, you're lying in bed not really doing anything and struggling to fall asleep and but what we can actually do is close the loop this is this is what's been missing we think from the whole mental health space 
where something hasn't quite worked in the way you wanted it to work. You've, you've lied in bed for 40 minutes, but actually we can help you with that because thanks to, let's say, progressive muscle relaxation or one of the techniques that Anne-Sophie just mentioned, we can help you fall asleep faster. Or maybe it was you had a lot of disturbances in the night and therefore the quality of your sleep wasn't great. So you wake up feeling a bit groggy. Well, hey, we've got a class that can help you feel less groggy in the morning. And now going forward, what we're now looking at is exactly what you said. Can we now start to create um, models for things like stress? That's an interesting one that we're looking at next. So can we predict when you're actually feeling stress? Now, that's quite difficult because your heart rate might spike up and it might be because you've just gone on a run. Or it might be because, you know, you've had a, a, a stressful meeting at work at 4 p.m. And or you might you know, have had a cup of coffee. Or you might have had a cup of coffee. So or what we're trying a cigarette, to do, dare I say. Yeah, I mean, there, there are so many things that could exactly lead to different changes in your physiology. And what we're trying to do now, and this hasn't been done before, is start to map each and every one of these biomarker states to a mood. And obviously quantitative has to be paired with the qualitative stuff so that's why we allow users to also input their moods and also select their classes or select an instructor because it has to be from both sides for us to be able to build an accurate model but yeah that, that's exactly what what we're doing now and and it's really exciting because we don't think it's really been done before all right so is, is this up and running or or you are currently developing it it's up and running. You can uh, download MindLabs from the App Store. I'm afraid it's only for iOS users for now, but um, we're, we're working on bringing it to more platforms at some point um, soon. But yeah, it's in the App Store. You can download it. We, we have a, a two-week free trial as well. So um, we want people to, to try this product and to use it. And we think it's priced quite affordably as well, very similar to other meditation apps. But yeah, we, we've got a free trial. So anyone can go and download it and uh, start tracking their sleep. <laughs> let, let me ask. OK, so this is moving away from sleep a little bit, but it, it's certainly on how 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 you're feeling, how the mind's working. So I'll warn you, this is probably a bit of an unfair question, but I'll ask it anyway. During the work day, really early afternoon, just after lunch, it's not that uncommon to have this kind of plunge in uh, how how you're doing, how you, how you feel, um, and kind of how productive you are. That's that's quite common. People know about that. Now, I bet if there's a, a wearable of some sort that could be picked up on, do you think you might be able to swoop in and help people in that situation with some kind of specific? technique or mindfulness or, or the opposite of making people go to sleep making them wake up a bit is that as i mean you know this this is might be looking ahead into the future but is something like to something like that sound useful and sophie you're you're smiling i can tell you've got some thoughts on it yeah yeah no absolutely and and that's um i mean as the product develops we're always it's the algorithms are always going to get a lot smarter and the information that we get from these wearables is just going to continuously improve so we might then later on be able to tell why your heart rate variability has changed or why um why your body your body is responding in a certain way that might seem um unreasonable for this hour like why you might be feeling tired in the middle of the day um and then figure out that okay it's just because you've had lunch and or you've had a nap or so on and so forth and we'd be able to make uh, very specific recommendations but i think um what it comes down to is that at the moment you can't just rely on on the data that you're given um you have to also look at the things that you're doing so for example you might feel like you're sleeping well um and then you know, you wake up, like you said, you ask your, your wife asks you, how did you sleep? And you're like, okay, well, let me check. And you might, you might think, well, I slept really well, but in reality, the data is saying that you didn't. And you might realize, well, I had a bottle of wine. So I perceived that I was sleeping very deeply, but actually my body <laughs> wasn't getting the rest that it needs. Um, what we do really well, I think, um, is that we focus on the education about these things. Um, so a lot of the psychoeducational classes that we have will give an insight into reasons why your sleep data might be a certain way or also looking at the time of day that you're eating, the, the quality of the food that you're eating. Um, it's not just about doing a sleep meditation 
sleeping well and waking up feeling energized. Um, there are so many different things that play into that. You might be doing meditations every night and your sleep data is still sort of off a little bit. It's 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 also up to you to, to figure out and learn uh, more about your body and what you can do um, in the day with exercise, with eating, um, with taking productive rests during the day to make sure that um, that everything is running well. And yeah, so our classes focus on that as well. So they're not just strict meditation or energy boosting classes. They will also give you give you insights and help you um, yeah, make, make meaningful changes. Okay, Let, let's move well, possibly back a little bit because we've, we've spoken about meditation and mindfulness. Uh, and I, I think a lot of people will have heard of those things, possibly even tried them. But can you just, um, for, for everyone that hasn't, give a description of kind of what that is, uh, what it can do for you. Then more importantly, because I kind of like data and proof. Is there any sort of peer-reviewed, um, published uh, information that says how this stuff, particularly if it's delivered electronically, can really help? There are so many. Yeah, there, there are so many studies and just more and more coming out. I think the most notable would be a study for with uh, Sarah Lazar at Harvard University. Um, and this was the one, this was a huge turning point because they did MR, an MRI scan after eight weeks of mindfulness meditation. It's a course called Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. Um, and after eight weeks, they showed actual neural changes. So changes to the structure of your brain from meditation. There are also studies that look at the biochemistry and how meditation can um, can slow aging, how it can help with your immune system, um, how it can help instill trust in other people. So there's, they're, they're really biochemical. Wow, that, that sounds like a hard one to prove. How, how would yeah, you go about so, proving that? Well, so, so, so this would be more on, um, on like a social scale. So more like uh, social behavioral studies rather than um, the neuroscience, but the neural correlates are always there. So I, it's a difficult one to answer because meditation in the studies that, that we found, the peer reviewed studies, it affects almost every aspect of your life in a, in a, in a positive way. Um, focus, attention, um, happiness, um, just aging. I, I, I can believe this. I mean, you're, you're sort of preaching to the converted here, I have to say. However, um, an, another possibly difficult question, these, these studies that try and uh, prove that this stuff works, when people are doing mindfulness or taking classes, are these, are these classes that are done online or electronically? Because it's, it's, it's I can imagine it's different whether you do something online or you go and see someone uh, who you end up probably having a you know a nice chat with, and you probably you could well create a friendship and have a warm relationship with them. So it's kind of a slightly different thing. Will, will the two work in the same way? Yeah, um, for sure. Because a lot of the studies, I mean, one of the studies that was done at the University of Wisconsin was um, putting a Buddhist monk in an MRI machine to meditate and if you've ever been into an mri machine it is, it is not <laughs> a great place to meditate it's loud it's claustrophobic yeah uh, it's, it's really unpleasant very, actually it's unpleasant it's a yeah. very clinical setting um and and that had really significant results actually there is a, an instructor that we're onboarding at the moment who's doing her phd in this area and one of the works that she was doing is um a meta-analysis of all of the studies in meditation and especially looking at apps and um, what she found in that. So this is, hasn't been published yet is due to be published very soon. So we have insider knowledge um, is that, that you've got to be careful about telling results before it's published. Yes, true. Well, well, no, well, that's the thing. It's a meta review. So all of these results have already been published. Sure. It's just yeah. the accumulation of uh, which is due to be published um, by by an instructor of, our, of ours. So very proud of her. But um, yeah, what, what she found, we were talking about this this morning, is that the 
it's significant even through apps, even through 10 minutes of meditation on, on, on different apps. And there was about 50 apps that they looked at. Um, and so I think that's a very promising finding because of course, a lot of people have, have that question at the back of their mind. Yeah. Okay. Another question, which is actually is to do with the technology, but it's probably more towards Adnan. Um, with technology, people get worried about kind of things being hacked and people watching things they shouldn't. So if I if I attend a class, you know, with I don't know fifty or a hundred people, and um, we are all meditating or doing mindfulness, is is there scope there for people to kind of interrupt that or create mischief by hacking into it well i guess if you if we're looking at hacking from a people gaining access to a video stream um point of view um then no i mean we we, we build on i'd say you know world-class technical infrastructure these are products that are you know publicly traded companies not just you know your googles um so you know we're, we're big users of google cloud platform you know, but also video streaming platforms that have been, you know, tested to the absolute maximum when it comes to security. Um, you know, we take things like encryption very seriously, um, especially because we're big users of cloud infrastructure as well. So in a nutshell, extremely, extremely, extremely unlikely. And we take user privacy very seriously because at the end of the day, you know, another question we get is around data. You know, there's, there's a lot of data that that is around what we're doing um, and classes that people are consuming. And for the most part, mental health is extremely personal and extremely private for a lot of people. Mm. Uh, we don't use that data anywhere outside of making your experience as best as it can possibly be. So the whole reason uh, for the platform is, you know, so that you get the most use out of the platform as consistently as possible. So, you know, we don't sell that data. We certainly don't let it go outside of the MindLabs platform at all. That right. data is only used that, like that's, Spotify that, that's to very improve reassuring your experience. To hear. Good, right. So so probably final question to Adnan. If people are listening to this and think, you know, this is kind of interesting and they'd like to find out a little bit more, maybe even try it out, uh, what should they do? What's, what's the best resource to find out a bit more? Yeah, so you can head on over to our website, which is wearemindlabs.com or easier yet, just search MindLabs. Uh, anywhere and you should be able to find us and yeah would love for, for you to head on over to the app store download us and, and give us a try for free okay excellent all right well look guys that was very interesting thank you very much for taking the time to chat about it and uh and good luck with it it sounds like it could help a lot of people thank you so much thank you mike much to my guests on this week's show and they were paula radcliffe talking about mass sporting events and adnam ibrahim and Anne sophie Fleury from Mind Labs. And of course, thank you to you for listening. That was the Relaxed Back UK show with me, Mike Dill. Thank you for listening and please do join us again next time.